We have prayed, certainly, and we have praised, and now we will listen with attentive hearts, I pray, to His powerful Word. Turn with me, if you will, to Philippians chapter 4. For the past year or so, when I have been given opportunity to share with you in, in pastor's absence, whether it be sabbatical or grandson duty in Nashville, I've had the opportunity to share with you what God has taught me in my time with Him through Philippians. And today, Lord willing, we will conclude that in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 23. If you have that or turn there, would you say amen? amen? Good. I heard some sheets ruffling and some fingers swiping, and hopefully you are there And let's look at that together, and I'll not ask you to stand as is what we typically do here, but uh, let's just look at this together and read God's Word. Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 23, and I'm confident that the version of the Bible you have will sound much like the one that we'll read here. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Did you hear that? This is Paul. He's writing this from prison. He is writing this with the anticipation of being executed. He's not writing this in a study surrounded by books or an iPad or a computer screen with a Keurig coffee maker right outside the office. So Paul is writing this in all antithetical reasons to that. So let's read that once again as we press on. I don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Verse 12, I know both how to have a little, and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned, I have learned, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did very well by sharing with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for me in several need times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Ephroditus what you have provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God. And Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, now I ask in Jesus' name, Lord, would you mute 
anything and everything that has origin within me. Father, I ask that you would amplify everything that has origin from your perfect throne. So, Father, we may be transformed so much that it would cause us to apply what you speak to our hearts these next few moments. We pray this for your glory, and we pray these things in the name above all names, the name of our King, our Savior, our Redeemer, the lover of our souls. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Enjoy the rest of your life. Not E-N-J-O-Y, but I-N-J-O-Y. Enjoy the rest of your life. You know, there's a song that was famous and it was quite catchy when I was growing up. Don't worry be happy. Boy, gosh, you, you've already memorized something this morning. Not quite what I had in mind, but well done. Don't worry, be happy. You know, the world that we live in, the culture, the lies that are around us makes that the goal of mankind, does it not? The pursuit of happiness. Listen, that's really the first takeaway that you and I can embrace this morning, hopefully, as believers in Christ... For those that have professed Him as King this morning, we are not to pursue happiness. It is our endeavor to pursue holiness, and that alone, to be set apart for His purposes, not for our happiness. So don't get me wrong, I love to be happy. When the clock finally struck zero yesterday at the following of the team that I like to follow on fall Saturdays, I was at least happy although it being emotionally fatigued. So I, I love being happy. Last night when the Bravos were blanked, I was not happy. But you know, happiness is circumstantial. To be in joy, to be I-N-J-O-Y, to be in joy is not to pursue happiness. It is to rest firmly upon the promises of Christ our King. And in these things, I'm just going ahead, you can just go ahead and fill your, your, your outline out pretty much, except for maybe the three under part one. And it's just so we can learn it, okay? So I love to alliterate. I do that as an, 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 a pinch hit preacher, if you want to call it that, as an assistant pastor. But here's it is we want to learn, we want to lean, we want to live, and we want to let God learn, lean, Live and let God. The first of these things is learn to be content. Look back with me, if you would, in verses 10 through 12 of what Paul is sharing here to the church at Philippi. He calls this the secret. I don't say this out of need, he says, but Paul shares the secret of having joy the rest of our life. For I have learned to be content. In whatever circumstance I find myself. The word content means satisfied. And you and I have talked before that there's really three types of people here gathered today. For all that is in this room and watching online, you fall into one of three categories. You're either satisfied, dissatisfied, 
or unsatisfied. Now, satisfied in this is the contentment is not complacency. That means what I call it is you, you want more. It, it leans more to a holy discontent. Thus, I, I need to have more in my life. Not the gimme, 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 my name's Jimmy kind of thing, but I need to have more of Christ in my life. So this contentment is not complacency. It doesn't mean we don't have a goal or ambition in life. It simply means, listen, it simply means we don't need to have more in order to have joy. Are you tracking with me? That's what contentment is. We are not born with contentment. Many of us in t- today, you know, said, well, who was born with that? You know, Aaron is born with a good singing voice, in which I'll hopefully leverage here in a moment without letting him know. But he's, he's see, I saw him look. You're still here. You're not gone yet. But I'm all into throwing surprises for our staff, including myself. But this contentment, we're not born with it. I'm reminded almost every time I go to the grocery store, and I'm reminded when Monica and the boys used to go to Walmart, you know, now we can just call in, thank the Lord, and go to the side parking lot and have somebody bring it to us. Can I get an amen? If you haven't done that, it is from heaven. I mean, you may not want to go to Walmart. This is not a commercial for them. But just to go online and have them shop it for you, and you go and then, then bring it out to you, because here's what would happen when, when my boys were growing up. And it was three of them. And that buggy could not hold all three. So she usually set the youngest one there and had the other two rolling around with her. Okay? And so they would, they would fill up a buggy full of groceries. Well, you know what happened when we went to the checkout? They wanted one more thing. They would see a, a, a pack of gum or some nihilators. I used to call them nihilators. Because I thought it would annihilate my mouth. But then I learned when I was old, it was N-O-W and L-A-T-E-R-S, now and later. But I just call them annihilators. But they'd see some of those, or some sweet tarts, or a, a magazine, or a phone charger. They just wanted something else, wanted one more thing. I mean, y'all know y'all have seen that, either with children or adults. You know, i got to have that Mountain Dew. I need that Snickers bar to make me through the day. I just need one more thing. i got a buggy full, but I just need one more thing. That is what we're reminded of, that we just want something else, one more thing. Contentment is learned. Now, these three things that I want us to look at, and you'll see 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 come up on the screen in just a moment. But here's the first part of learning how to be content. How do I learn to be content? Here it is. Stop comparing. We need to stop comparing in the church of Jesus Christ. Comparing ourselves to others, listen, always leads to discontentment. Always, without fail. If you want to learn to be content and live in joy the rest of your life, stop comparing your spouse with somebody else's spouse. Amen? Don't, no elbows thrown, no nudges, but just stop comparing them with somebody else. Stop comparing your home with someone else's home. Stop comparing your car with somebody else's car. Stop comparing your income with somebody else's income. The Bible teaches we should not compare ourselves to others. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. If it's not on the screen, I want you to look at that in your Bible. There it is. Look at this together. 
For we don't dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. But in measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves to themselves, they lack what? Understanding or wisdom. There will always be somebody who makes a little bit more than you. There will always be somebody that drives a little newer car than you do. Unfortunately, there will always be somebody with a more attractive spouse. My wife would say amen to that. There will always be somebody with hair and a little taller and a little darker and a little more handsome. But I'm good with that, okay? Confession is good for the soul. There will always be something better down the line. You know that old saying that grass is always greener on the other side. I found that the grass is always greener where you water it. Just think about that for a minute. If we compare ourselves to others, we are not wise. And we will never, ever be content. And we will never be in joy with what we have. Number two, how do I learn to be content? Well, we need to stop comparing. But we also need to be, stop being obsessed with having more. Joy has nothing to do with how much we have. It has everything to do with our attitudes towards what we do have. Did someone write that down? Because that's pretty good. That's not for me. Joy is not about what we have. But to learn to be content, I need to have the right attitude about what I do have. We must stop thinking more stuff will make us happier. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10 says this, The one who loves silver is never satisfied with silver, and whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income. This too is futile. We need to stop comparing and we need to stop being obsessed with having more in order to learn to be content. But thirdly, in addition to those two and how to learn to be content, we need to accept change. Life is a series of changes. We all have our ups and downs, don't we, in life? A few weeks ago, I guess in ministry you have many opportunities every day, but some really stick out more than others. I was, had the joy of going to be with a family who was preparing to say goodbye to a loved one, and we were gathered together in the hospital room at Southeast Health, and they were transitioning away from palliative care and going toward that final stage of life here. And so the monitors, even though they're all digital today, I couldn't help but look, and they had turned off the sounds and the alarms, and the heartbeat, you know, would go up, and it would go down, and it would go up, and it would go down. And in that moment, I thought, isn't that just like life? I mean, I have my ups, Chase, and Aaron, I have my downs. And then Ryan, then I'll have an up, and then Stan, I'll have a down. And Jack, I'll have an up. 
And Andy, I'll, I'll have a down. And they seem to go on a parallel course, these ups and downs. And then as time just ticked on there for a moment, that up and down of the heartbeat got steady. And it, it flattened out. And life ended. And boy, God taught me a lesson. So many times I might get caught in myself and say, Lord, just let it even out, would you? I mean, these ups and downs. I don't know how much more I can take. These downs are so low and I just want an up. And just can it just even out? And the Lord whispered in my heart, that's not life. Life is indicated by that up and down. If it flattens out, there's no life in that. You stop living. So church, can I challenge us together to accept change, to look at the moments that we define as mountaintop moments, celebrate in those, enjoy those, but may the joy of the Lord be our strength when He allows that low time. That is a sign of health. It is a sign of life. It is an opportunity from the throne above for growth toward Christ's likeness. When I am weak, what? Let's say it again. When I am weak, it is His heartbeat that carries me through those times. It is a wonderful example of life. Let us Church, let us protect ourselves. God, would you just make it all better? Would you just remove this from my life? Let us embrace that. And as Paul said, in the good and the not, in the having and the not having, in the abundance and in the less, I find joy in all those things. That is learning to be content. There's nothing constant in life except change. One key to learning to be content is adjusting to our changing circumstance. To a large degree, enjoying, I-N, enjoying the rest of our life is based upon my ability and your ability to adapt and to accept change. Paul puts it like this, I know how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. When Paul wrote these words we've already discussed, he was in prison awaiting possible execution. He had been deserted by most of his friends. He was watching and seeing charlatan preachers get rich. How could he be content? He did not compare. He didn't think more would make him happy. And he could accept change. To have joy the rest of our life. Whether or not we hear wars and rumors of wars. We see earthquakes. We see famines. We see the world coming apart at the seams. And our proclivity is to say, 
what in the world is going on instead of saying or asking who has come into this world that being Jesus our king we must learn to be content so that's learn second lean lean on God's power Paul knew if he was to have joy the rest of his life he couldn't depend on people possessions popularity or pleasure now see if you missed all those with peas you, you you missed what I worked really hard on trying to get all those to start with the same letter so somebody blessed me by writing that down okay just just write it down in your, in, in your little notes there in the worship folder so I'm going to say it again so you can just really make me happy listen don't depend on people possessions popularity or pleasure to bring you joy so what are we to lean on? Supernatural power. Lean on God's power. Philippians 4.13 I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. The Greek word translated strength here, through Him who strengthens me, is the same word in which we get dynamite or dynamic. A dynamic person. Does anybody know a dynamic person in your life? I live with one. Thank the Lord. It means vivacious and energetic. That is how God put Monica and I together because that was, I was attracted to that. Vitality, dynamic and energetic. Christ can give you the energy and power to do everything. I can choose you can choose joy in life when you don't have perfect health. Can I get an amen? Is joy an option when you don't have perfect health? Absolutely for the believer in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not only an option, it is a command. We can choose to have joy when we don't have perfect health. We can choose to have joy in life when the stock market is way down. We can choose to have joy in life when the problems that don't seem to go away, they still remain. However, we can have joy the rest of our lives if we choose to rely on supernatural power and don't try to do it ourselves. It's a promise found in Isaiah 40, verse 29. Isaiah 40, 29, write it down in the margin of your notes. Isaiah 40, 29. He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Let's look at it again. It's up on the screens. He gives strength to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Do you need strength to be a better wife? Do you need strength to be a better husband, parent, or grandparent? Do you need strength to make your marriage work? Do you need strength to get out of debt? Do you need strength, student, to resist peer pressure? Do you need strength to bake, break a bad habit? Do you need strength to lose weight? Do you need strength to control your temper on the circle that is called Ross Clark? Do you need strength to be a nice person? Do you need strength this morning? Yes, Jesus Christ is that strength. 
Don't let your problems, I don't need to let my problems prevent me from having joy in life. Don't trust people, possessions, popularity, or pleasure, but look to the supernatural power of Jesus Christ, my King. He provides the strength to do these things. We must learn to be content. We must lean on God's power. Thirdly, we must live generously. Paul is thanking the Philippian church here for their financial support. It had been apparently ongoing in the past because he thanks them for sending again and again in verse 14 through 16. Paul wants these people to know, these Philippians to know, they could expect dividends. Does everybody know what a dividend is? Okay. Well, maybe not. I just, but you know, it will, you can ask someone later on. I'm sure they can explain it to you, but I'm going to tr- give it a shot here. He could expect dividends on their investment in his ministry. So he writes, look at it with me in verse 17 of chapter 4. Not that I seek the gift, Paul says, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. The word that I could find translated account is a business term that refers to accruing interest. Now, I'm not a financial guru, but I can think that that's for my good. If I'm gaining interest on something I've invested in, then I'm coming out to the good in that. Can I tell you there's no interest at a higher rate than the interest that God is putting into your account when you live generously? Can I get another amen on that? When He is putting into your account, there's no comparison. You think people would stop and be quiet and listen to what uh, E.F. Hutton or Schwab or whomever says, when God speaks, when God speaks into my account, That is dividends that's overflowing and I cannot measure with any type of measuring tool. When God blesses a generous life, it is indeed blessed. Proverbs 11.25. Write it down in your margin. It should be on the screen. Proverbs 11.25. A generous person will be enriched. And the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. When life, listen to me, when life seems to be getting you down, it's not a matter of if, but when. When life seems to try to get you down and you need refreshment, do you know the perfect answer? Choose to refresh somebody. When you need refreshment, I mean you're parched. And you may need a brother or a sister to come alongside of you. And that's legitimate. But what we all need to see here in order to have joy in our life is when I need to be refreshed is a great indicator I need to look at who needs refreshing. Scripture says I need to consider someone else's needs greater than my own. 
So when I embrace that precept, that truth of Scripture, I can look at Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. The Bible says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Paul is referring to the gifts given to him by these Philippians as a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to whom? God. There is nothing, listen, there is nothing you can do to make God more pleased with you than to be generous. Whenever we help others in Jesus' name, especially when we minister to others, we are presenting a fragrant offering to our Lord. When I was talking with Ken and Kirsten, and here they are in Jerusalem, Ken said he could see a rocket explode two hills over from their balcony. I don't know about you, but that's something I have not had to deal with in my life. But yet as we walk with them through this journey, you know what they're anticipating? Having people into the Baptist village outside of Tel Aviv to welcome refugees from Gaza and minister in Jesus' name there. They are wanting to refresh others. Now, can I brag on our church family? Do you think we had an opportunity this morning to refresh Ken and, Ken and Kirsten just for a moment? How about hearing from somebody across the world over in an encrypted phone app? Do you think they left it refreshed? maybe worrying a little bit less about their son and daughter here in the States, and maybe energized a bit more to press on toward the goal which Christ has called them toward heaven to do? Absolutely. Church family, in learning how to have joy in our lives, we absolutely need to learn to be content. We need to let God meet our needs. But if, it, and if we don't live generously, then we're missing it. So in this, there's really, and you know this, you've heard it said before, there's two kinds of people in the world, givers and takers. The only ones who really enjoy their life are the givers. If you want to go through the rest of your life all stressed out, selfish, stingy, notice the S is there, stressed, selfish, stingy, then go ahead and, and don't give to others. But if you want to, listen church, if you want to live in joy, if you want to live within joy the rest of your life, be generous with your time your talent, and your treasure. Learn, lean, live, let God. Let God meet your needs. Verses 19 through 23, 
Paul is ending this letter to the church at Philippi by saying, let God meet your needs. When we live generously, God will not forget our needs. Paul writes, and my God will supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Like all promises, don't miss this, like all promises, this promise has a premise. This promise that we're reading about, as Paul wrote it to the church at Philippi, it applies to us, this promise has a premise. The premise is we can only claim this promise if we are generous like Paul describes in the previous verse. If we meet the premise... We can count on the promise. The promise is God will, not God might. What will God do if we are generous? Meet all our needs. Not some, not almost all, not most, not the ones done just on Sunday or just on Wednesday or just on a mission trip or just when you're happy. Meet all our needs. This means emotional, physical, relational, financial, and spiritual. This promise does not say all your wants. It says all your needs, not all your greeds. To have God meet all our needs, we must remember a principle, a precept taught in Scripture from Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. We must embrace this and have it in our hearts. Look at it on the screens with me. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. The glorious riches God wants to give us are in Christ Jesus. The reason so many people are unhappy, unsatisfied, and unfulfilled is they don't know Jesus Christ as King. Did you hear? Our world today is riddled with unhappiness, unsatisfaction, and unfulfillment. It's because they don't know Christ as their Redeemer. They may run job to job. They may go from relationship to relationship, hobby to hobby, fad to fad, church to church. To be in joy the rest of your life begins by receiving Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That's why the great promise is made in John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. Write it down, John 10, 10. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, the Bible says. But here it is. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. In the last verse of this epistle to the church at Philippi, Paul writes in verse 20, 
Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The word translated glory there, doxa, is the word in which we get our English word doxology. It's something as growing up that we used to do almost every Sunday. We would sing the doxology. And you know, it, it has an opportunity to become habitual and without meaning. But if you look at these 25 words and what they mean, it's both modest and memorable. God is indeed the one from whom all blessings flow. He himself is the blessed one. He is the only one, God is, from whom fullness of joy and pleasure forever comes from. God is unshakable in his joy. He is not a God inclined to keep to himself, but gives generously. Has anybody in here ever received something from God you felt like you didn't deserve? God in his generosity, in his grace, does that. God delights to give, to overflow with joy, to bless his creatures in his creation, to share his own happiness in them and through them. He is the giver of every good gift, James tells us. And in Romans, from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. And then we praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. This doxology has served us for centuries to connect to the very purposes of God. God made our hearts to ache for joy. He created your heart to ache, to long for joy. Have you ever had a craving you just couldn't shake? I mean, I've tried to live without Blue Bell Tin Roof ice cream. I dream of it at times. Even try to concoct it on my own. It's just something at times I can't shake. My heart aches for it sometimes. But I can't tell you that's just a minuscule illustration of how God has designed every heart in here and listening to us on live stream. We are designed to have a craving that cannot be quenched, cannot be satisfied. You just want more. When you have some of the joy of God Almighty, you want more so much so that you want to live in joy the rest of your lives. You want to learn how to be content you want to lean. You want to live. And you want to let God. So even before our invitation, and here my brother is that curveball, we don't have to have any kind of accompaniment. 
If you haven't sung this before, just join right in, would you? Because this praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Eric, would you come, my brother, and just, we can just stand right there, whatever, and just lead us in that. And listen, church family, let that marinate in. Let it sink. This is not just a hymn written in the 1600s. These are words taken straight from Scripture. So, brother, let's, let's just worship as we sing that together. All right, let's stand together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy. Continue in that prayer. Father, now the time to decide to follow Jesus. There are many in this room that have made that profession of faith to surrender and say, Jesus, would you be Lord of my life? No longer me, but thee. If that is your confession, I praise the Lord with you. But it's not just saved whenever and just let me go on through life and make it to the end. It is continually going that up and down and up and down heartbeat. It is my prayer for those that are believers in Christ Jesus that we embrace and allow Him to live through us. Let the heartbeat of the Savior live through us to be salt and light. You may want to come to this altar and thank God for that. You may want to again bow in intercession for those that are in desperate need of prayer. Whatever God is moving your heart to do, would you please respond in obedience? And there may be some here today. May I be so blunt as to say, I know there are some here today. That you may be a church attender, you may be even a church member, but you have never surrendered everything to Christ. Now, this moment, is that moment to let go and let God. To learn to be content. To lean into His understanding. To live generously. And to indeed let God be that supernatural power in your life. If you've never asked Christ to be your king, would you come and just speak to me or chase or, or Lance or whomever, just would you come to us and say, can you help me with that? There is no greater joy 
you talking about being in joy. There is no greater joy to see someone come from eternal absence of Christ into eternal knowledge and embraced by Jesus. Would you let us help you with that today? Whatever God is leading you to do, now is the time to respond.